0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: At this point, most shows are winding down. Roy is just getting started. The Roy
0: Green Show
2: on the Chorus Radio Network.
0: Still ahead uh, this hour, we'll be speaking with Catherine Swift. Of course, it's Beauties and the Beast with Catherine attending the Conservative Party Leadership Convention in Toronto. She'll uh, talk to us about what's going on there. We heard uh, from Andrew Shear Earlier, The uh, one of the leadership hopefuls uh, joined us, Linda Leatherdale, um, former money editor of the Toronto Sun. Uh, Linda has something to say about a certain premier. Michelle Simpson about members of parliament and their travel. A friend of mine uh, was flying from Toronto to Winnipeg a couple of weeks ago. Very successful man. And he got on a plane and um, there was a member of parliament sitting in first class. And in economy, there were three staff members. Now, why does an MP from the Toronto area need to go to Winnipeg with three staff members and why is the MP flying first class? And then I'm going to say a few things about opioids and the Federal Minister of Health. Well, some of you didn't hear this. The Federal Minister of Health's press secretary contacted me this past week. And uh, very polite, but the idea was to tell me how wrong I am about the positions I've made and taken, and to say the minister might want to join me. So i'm I've made it very clear that I'll be happy to speak with the minister live on this program. That's my preference always to do a live interview. But I will pre-record even at 3 o'clock in the morning if that's what it takes. Because the politicians have it all wrong, and it's the patients who are being assaulted. And tomorrow, one of my guests is going to be a man who makes that point so extremely well. The media is starting to pay attention, Minister Philpott and various provincial ministers, the media starting to pay attention to the suffering that chronic pain patients are going to be put through by these opioid rules and regulations and protocols that you're going to put in place, which will do nothing other than harm people who are already in tremendous pain. So, that's coming up. Leslie Bikos is a former London, Ontario police officer. She's a Ph.D. candidate in sociology at Western University, and she's working on a nationwide study of Canadian police officers and the impact of police culture on their on- and off-duty lives. And we've talked a lot about police and police culture, particularly the RCMP, as we've spoken with women in the RCMP who have charged, they were sexually assaulted, sexually harassed, raped while off-duty, And uh, it just seems like the RCMP likes to point the finger at the women and blame them. Although the Federal Minister for Public Safety, Juan Ralph Goodale, seven months ago stood up before Canadians, and he mentioned four women particularly. One of them was Atoya Montague, who spent a lot of time on this program with us, including last weekend, and said they were just being so badly treated, and that the government had come up with a you know, a satisfactory conclusion to the class action lawsuits. No woman's received any money yet, by the way. And uh, things would be okay. Well, they're not. And they're not going to be okay. And just last week, two reports came out, one by the former Federal Auditor General, Sheila Fraser, which says the RCMP is a broken culture and that they are more interested in their public image than they are in taking care of the people who work for them. And the women we talk to are... uh, struggling with PTSD, financial issues, and they're the victims. It's just bad. It's really bad. Leslie Bikos joins me on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I guess after what I said, Leslie, I have to ask you, how bad is it?
2: (laughs) Hi, Roy. Nice to uh, be on the show again. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. No worries. Um, Well, like like your introduction said, I've been doing a nationwide study on uh, police culture which is including interviews with police officers in their own words about their experiences. And at the time I wrote the Globe and Mail commentary last week, I had done 77 interviews across Canada from 23 different services. Um, That number has since increased due to the uh, overwhelming response um, of officers from the Globe and Mail uh, article that I wrote. And that uh, suggests that it's pretty bad, and pretty bad everywhere, Roy. Not just the
0: RCMP. How willing are the police officers to speak with you to begin with? And then as you speak to them and you get into the issue, how more willing are they to to talk about the things that are really happening, how it's affecting them and what's happening to them?
2: Well, I'm kind of in a unique position, and I think that's what makes this study so important. Um, Being a former officer, uh, many and many of the officers that I've interviewed have said to me, you know, I've I've either never told this story before, or I would not tell this story to uh, just a regular researcher. It's because you're an ex-cop that I will talk to you. So I think that's an important piece. Also, the fact that I will not go through the administration to talk with officers. Uh, It's just me and them. And so... Their worry, for the most part, of course, is confidentiality. Um, many of them still work within the forces, and they are really afraid um, that if they come forward with these things or if their identity was revealed as participating in this study, that there would be real professional and personal consequences for them.
0: So the, uh, it's not just the RCMP. It's police forces across the country where the image of the force is more important than the officers.
2: That's what I'm hearing, yes.
0: What uh, sorts of stories are you hearing? What's the, is there a common denominator that just runs through it all?
2: You know, a piece which is really emerging very strongly is mental health. Mental health is a huge problem, um, and it's not being dealt with. I mean, it's being dealt with on the surface, like you're saying, right, the reputation. So the, the forces can point to, well, you know, we have this wellness room, or we have this wellness peer program, or we're doing the road to ready recovery stuff, or whatever it is that they happen to be doing. They can check that box off, right, for the public and say, yep, yeah, we're taking care of our officers. But if you really listen to what the officers are saying, it's all a farce and that their mental health is not a priority for their police services. And interestingly, uh, predominantly what officers are telling me is that, A, they're not even reporting their mental health to the services because of the stigma and because they're worried about the professional implications. And B, it's not the calls for service that is the problem their mental health is coming directly from their working environment and the culture and their inability to function within that culture.
0: And I imagine this is getting, this is going from bad to worse.
2: You know, it's interesting you say that um, in the last seven days I've done nine more interviews and it's been interesting to hear the perspective especially from officers who have been on the job for a length of time and who are saying to me that they're really concerned about the new recruits coming in, that it appears that the standards are, are going down and that, the, that this sort of mentality of officers coming in and uh, the culture that just seems to be getting worse. It, um, and, you know, that has huge implications for public
0: service, of course. Yeah. That's something that I heard. I lived in Quebec for the last, well, 10 of the last 11 years. And, and I heard people saying Quebec, and that includes the police officers, saying it's not what it used to be. Um, we're not what we used to be. And the younger officers, and I'm not knocking anybody, but the younger officers on the force are not as professional as they need to be.
2: Well, you know, it's funny because obviously, you know, I'm pro-police and I want the... You so know, am I. I want, yeah, am exa- Yeah, and I know you are. Um, so it's important that we say that, though, right? Because we don't want officers getting defensive because we want them to understand that the, the reason I'm doing this study, the reason you're doing what you're doing is because we're trying to make lives better for them and then yeah. by extension, public service, right? Yeah, Exactly. Um, and you know almost all the officers I talk to say the same thing that it comes from the top. The attitude and tone of a of a service and the individual culture comes from the top so if you 're continuing to have the same mentality, make it through the ranks and you know people pulling up their buddies through the ranks with them you 're going to continue to have that same Culture happening, and I mean, I think we have to be somewhat careful in sort of thinking of the glory days, so to speak, of policing, because certainly there has been a lot of issues back then as well. But you're right in the fact that I do hear a lot of officers, especially officers who have been on the force for you know a long time, say the same thing that they feel as though the quality of recruits isn't as good as it used to be.
0: We're going to bring our mutual friend Atoya Montague on in a couple of minutes. Yes. So before we do, that, and we take a break. Lastly, what's the what's the thing that that Canadians listening to this program right now who, who need their police, who pay for their police, and want to trust their police, what do they need to know from the officer's perspective, as you're finding out?
2: Okay. Well, uh, that, there's a real crisis in policing. Uh, particularly within the culture, and uh, their officers need more support and they need more help. And I think what is really telling, and what I really wanted to say today, is that I have been on the media and I've had national media attention for the study and the work that I'm doing since September. And in that time, I have not had one police administration reach out to me. I have not had anybody from any government body reach out to me to wow. say, Oh my goodness, what is this stuff that oh you're finding? My. Um, because, you know, as you know, in the Globe and Mail article, I talk about, you know, rape, sexual assault, harassment, bullying, corruption, (laughs) intimidation, all those things that are in that RCMP report I'm hearing all across this country. And I think that's really telling that silence says more to me than anything uh, that I could ever say in the media. No response from any of them. You would think that they would want to hear more about this study. It's the first of its kind in Canada, Roy. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, no. You know what reminds me of what you just said? was an email that I received from an RCMP officer. This goes back about five or six years when I was talking with Catherine Galliford and uh, Krista Carley and, and, and some of the other women officers who were, at that point, still charging that they had been sexually harassed and abused. And I received an email from an officer who said, I'm retired. And it was sent me a fairly long email. And at the bottom he wrote, please do not identify me because what happens when the RCMP is beleaguered, they form a circle and shoot inward. Yes. I'll never forget that.
2: And that's everywhere. And that's why officers don't come forward. And the amount of corruption that I'm hearing about um, in, in internal investigations and promotional practices in dealing with the public this should concern every citizen in Canada. Uh, it's a, it's, I, I believe it's a crisis.
0: Please hold on, Leslie. When we come back, we'll talk more with Leslie Bikos and we'll also add Atoya Montague to our conversation. She continues to struggle and battle for herself and battle for her health and battle for her financial well-being as the RCMP continues to battle to beat her into submission. And Sheila Fraser... The former Auditor General of this country, who is a fearless woman, fearless, wrote a report that was commissioned by the public safety minister, Ralph Goodale, in which Sheila Fraser, she's the one who said essentially that as far as the RCMP is concerned, the management structure is more interested in the public image of the force than they are in the well-being of the officers. We'll come right back.
1: Compassionate, caring, and cuddly. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network.
0: If you want to read my blogs, just go to your favorite chorus radio station where you're actually listening to this program, and uh, access the Roy Green Show page, and uh, you will see them. Leslie Bicos is my guest. She's a former police officer in London, Ontario, PhD candidate in sociology at Western University, and she's working on a nationwide study of Canadian police officers and the impact of police culture on their on and off duty lives. And you can uh, you can read what Leslie wrote if you access the May 17th Globe and Mail online, and uh, it's a piece titled "It's not just the RCMP, police culture is toxic." It's not just the RCMP police culture is toxic. Or if you just enter Leslie's name, L E S L E Y B I K O S, L E S L E Y B I K O S. All right, Leslie's back with us, and uh, so is our good friend. Atoya Montague, who is continuing her fight for, I was going to say survival, then I wasn't, but I guess its that's what it is, isn't it, Atoya?
1: Yeah, essentially it is, Roy, and you uh, you nailed it once again when you described it as a battle. I am in a battle with the top officials in the RCMP and, and my government, um, and, you know, I'm being fired on the basis of a disability that they caused. They are in violation of canadian charter rights and freedoms you know it's really <laughs> shocking that in a government with a prime minister who's promoting all of these values he's at the g7 standing strong for these values that we represent in canada is completely dismissing that this is happening to me and not intervening on my behalf um and for the hundreds of people that leslie Biko speaks with um they would concur it's, uh, it's a it's disheartening place to be in this country and to be the, one of their victims um, it's a David and Goliath battle. I'm still in it. Um, you know, as of this week, I had to respond to this um, unjust, unfair discharge coming at an untimely, at a bad time, obviously, given the fact that the RCMP is continuing to deny that any of these acts of harassment and abuse have occurred. Um, so I wrote a 20 page letter to the uh, the Human Resources Officer, um, Chief Superintendent Alan McKenders this week. And I forwarded that to the Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Preparedness Canada, and I forwarded that to the Prime Minister of this country. And then a day later, my my doctor, um, world-renowned expert in PTSD, also wrote to the Ministers of Justice and Public Safety to outline just how wrong this is. Um, he outlined to the RCMP, you are firing her uh, without, there's no merit to the reasons you're coming up with to discharge her. Um, it's not even based on the truth what they've outlined in their letter for the reasons to fire me. Um, it, it's based on a, a medical doctor's opinion who doesn't have the um, experience or expertise to evaluate me. Someone who's never even met me um, has just decided that I am unfit for, duty ever again and therefore they're going to discharge me. All the while not one person in the leadership of the RCMP has acknowledged I was abused, acknowledged I was harassed or taken any steps to rectify what's okay. happened. Not and,
0: one. and yet Leslie, let me have you speak with Atoya. You know each other both very well. Yeah. Uh, Sheila Fraser if you read her report sides with what Atoya's case is. Mm-hmm. But what well, what what do you want to add to what uh, Atoya said, Leslie?
2: You know, that... Uh, hi, Atoya. Nice to hear from you. Hi, um, Leslie. Hi. Great to have you. Um, <laughs> that, you know, sadly, her case is not, you know, one. So many officers I speak to, it's the same thing. You know, they talk about, you know, their services, um, waiting them out financially, or, you know, internal investigations that are corrupt, people lie, or evidence goes missing you know they're not being the people who do these things aren't held accountable in fact so many times it seems that they end up being promoted and moved and make it through the ranks and and so you know there's this real issue going on of no accountability no transparency and you know so how do you how do you combat that and like i said earlier if you know i don't see anybody contacting me uh, on this study either and this study's full of information about what's going on and the problems within police services if the government is serious and if police administrations are as serious as their social media seems to make out that they are about making positive changes, then how come nobody's contacted a researcher who's you know, heard from their officers across the country?
0: Yeah, and we have less than a minute. What we want to remind as well, Leslie, what you're, what you're telling us is what you were told by active police officers. Yes. Not by the, not by the, the administration and the, any police department. You're hearing this from the officers.
2: Yeah, and, you know, of all ranks. So All it's not ranks. just you know people who you could you could say oh well they're just lower ranks and they're bitter or whatever that is no these some of these people have had very successful careers actually okay. but they don't agree with the culture and they know there is massive
0: problems. Okay, but thank you both. Uh, Atoya will stay in touch with you. You'll be back with us. I know. Thank you. And you and I look forward to speaking with you again, Leslie as well. Thanks, Roy. I appreciate All the it. very best to you both.
2: Okay,
0: Leslie, on. because Atoya Montague will come back with the beauties and the beast. Stay with us.